Hello, everyone listening. Thank you for hopping on Tales of Recovery, a podcast where I talk about the process of recovering your life back, of trying to do this life in a human body uh, the best way we can, and in the biggest amount of liberation and love and sensations and whatever it is that we're here to do as humans that is our birthright. And today is November 14th of 2023 and this is about year three of me being heavily involved in this the, you know the study and the process of trauma so I'm in trauma school somatic practices and also doing my own investigation right my own my own therapy my own process of just digging in a little bit deeper every time every time about childhood trauma and the experiences that sort of guide us in the rest of our life whatever happens to you as a little child is sort of the imprint of your nervous system and you move through life with this of course there's resilience there's expansion there's lots of beautiful experiences however the more I dig in and the more I do my own process and learn and you know I'm in school about just the way that the human design and the human Mm, protection systems the human body the human brain works um, it really just it, it all stems from childhood and the more we get in there and the more we give ourselves compassion and try to understand it uh, I think the better we can be not just with ourselves but with those are, are around us so a few things that happened in this past month regarding to this trauma school is first of all I went to south of Mexico City, about an hour from Tepoztlan, to this super powerful sound meditation um, retreat with an amazing investigator of sound and music and the way the brain works with specific um, sound, sound modalities and psychedelics. His name is, you know, Alexander Tanu, and I was there for all weekend. It was like this huge, like four or five hour lecture about sound and the way it processes in your brain and the way that you know this guy is like friends with Dennis McKenna they've been studying this type of mm, technologies for so many years and this technology with music and the way that he you know the way that he uh, operated the whole journey was very very powerful and I think it's one of the most funnest and most intense experiences that I've ever had but I really had the opportunity to, you know, my intention was, okay, I've been working with Gabor Mate and Prison Yoga Project and somatic practices and, you know, and this for the past four years, but for the last 10 years, I've really been investigating about trauma and how trauma affects the brain, the body, the emotions. Ever since I was assigned, uh, you know, where I was working in death penalty cases back when I used to work at the Federal Public Defender's Office. And so I've been really digging into trauma for so long. Um, when I got to this retreat, I thought, okay, my intention is I've been really, like the past year has really been a lot about my relationship and how I grew up with my mom and my dad. And if you've been following the podcast, I'm always talking about different situations and different experiences where I have seen this come up and, um, and how I've been working it out. And so, and integrating it really. And so in this retreat 
I had this huge journey, this huge vision of me just being a tiny little girl. But the way that this master teacher came around and I had talked to him about childhood trauma. So when I was in the journey, he walked right by Julio and I and said, you know, with this little sound, I forget what it's called, but it sounds like a little rattle. He's like, now go into your childhood and look at all the joy and all the playfulness. And because I'm typically going in looking at all the horrible things that happened. But I was able to go in there and just see myself as this little girl playing with my little brother, playing with my little sister, running around, getting super creative, making, you know, music and plays and acting up in this, you know, building a theater with all the people from the neighborhood. And just I was like, wow. You know, this this mind, this openness, this clarity when you were a little kid was so fun. And and it was about, you know, yeah, a six hour journey of just really seeing the beauty and the resilience. And also so many things that scare me. I was able to just look at them and be like, no, no, you don't scare me anymore. That's just I just made that up or no, I'm not going to go there with this fear. And it was so heart opening and so profound. Plus, the people that were there were amazing. And as soon as I came home from that retreat, I didn't have any Wi-Fi up there. So when I came home, you know, ding, 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 all the messages started coming in. And I got a couple of messages about my 88-year-old dad waking up very early in the morning and thinking that it was the middle of the day and just acting weird, asking the same questions over and over again. And so I came home. I was like, what the, what's going on, dad? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just a little confused and um, you know, he just, it wasn't making sense. And we immediately called the doctor, got him in to see her. And she was like, yeah, he just probably needs a sleeping test. It's lack of sleep. I was like, bro, this is not lack of sleep. I mean, I live with this dude. There is no fucking way that this is lack of sleep. This is something else. And I need a CT scan right away. Well, we're going to wait a week. No, we're not. We're going to do it right now because if this is a stroke, we don't want to wait two, three weeks. So you know, again, here we go. You have to advocate for the system to get you in whenever you need them to. And sure enough, the next day we went, he got a CT scan. And an hour after the doctor calls and she's like, uh, well, actually, we have a problem. There's like, you know, there's like a big tumor. There's like a big thing in their dad's brain. And we don't know what it is, but it doesn't look good. And so we need an emergency appointment tomorrow with a neurosurgeon what in the fuck and so the next day I, I was ready to go on on the retreat you know done and breathe in we had 20 ladies flying in from San Francisco and New York and all over the place and it was just like okay I am not the only sibling my brother my sister you know they can take him to the doctor because I have to go work this retreat and so I drive off down to Baja where we do meditation and breath work and mindfulness and we talk somatics and then we you know we we do the ice plunge and at night we have a journey with mushrooms and then we have a sweat lodge and it's just a beautiful experience of really connecting to earth and to the body and to other women and I'm down in the retreat and we're setting it up and we're doing the first meditation and then after everything was done I called my sister to see what had what happened and it wasn't good. Like, the news wasn't good. Um, and, you know, I took it in. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to retreat right now. I'll deal with this when I come home next week. And we kept on going. And so the next day, 
we have meditation in the morning and Alex took a taught a great yoga class and we're getting ready for the ice we set up the ice bucket we're bringing the ice in there we're we're giving instructions about the breath work and how we're going to go in there and to focus on the breath and everybody had a song because you only sat three minutes in the ice right you don't need to do any more than that I mean, you can if you want to but not at our retreats because it's not necessary um for the experience to be you know good for your body and enough to have an effect in the chemical the chemistry of your body three minutes is good enough everybody was going in three minutes three minutes three minutes and then i go in for my three minutes i get out i help other people they're going in and out they're going in and out and i don't remember anything that happened i don't even remember getting into the ice but a few minutes later i was asking one of the photographers that was there like hey did i go in the water yet she was like well yes i mean you have your bathing suit on and you're all wet and i was like no but did i go in the water yet and she was like dude your bathing suit is wet of course you went in the water what what's going on here and then another friend came over to give me my cell phone and i said no that's not my cell phone she was like yes this is your cell phone you gave it to me i was taking the time that's not my cell phone and i went inside the kitchen and i sat down but nobody knew what was going on because i was you know inside my body walking around talking looking at people but it's like my soul left and went to i don't know where and i was inside my body but it wasn't me or there was some type of disassociation so I sat down in the kitchen and I just started weeping. I don't remember this, but this is what they say happened. Weeping, crying. My dad is going to die. My dad is going to die. I saw my father die. And just unconsolable weeping. When finally somebody came out and said, uh, we don't think Greece is okay. Uh, I think maybe like three or four hours went by when they were, you know, give her some juice, give her a cookie. Don't give her this. Don't give her that. Wait, there's too much stimulation. Move me to another room. You know, take off your bathing suit, put on some dry clothes, warm her up. Um, the people from the retreat center were like, you know, with their plants and playing music and trying to calm me down. And they called the doctor who said, maybe you should take her to the hospital just in case. And all I remember is coming back into my mind about the time that I was in the car heading to the hospital. I thought, what? What's going on? Oh, we're just going to take you to the hospital because you were in the ice and... I thought, how long was I in the ice for? And my friend taking me down there said, about 10 minutes. I said, well, we're not supposed to be in there for 10 minutes. That's too long. It's not necessary. And you need to call them. You need to tell them to not let anybody else in go, go in there for longer than three minutes. She's like, no, they already, are, they already ended the ice. Like, they're already starting the, the ceremony. Your team is there. They all stepped up. Don't worry about it. I was like, what time is it? You know, it was already almost... 5 p.m. and I had gone in the ice at 11:30. My mind just went blank, and I started to immediately freak out because I was like, "Holy shit! Did I have a stroke? Did something happen?" You know, I was re just sitting in the car, going, oh, "My name is Griselda Bichardo. I was born November 25, 1969. I have two children. I'm married with Julio. I'm in Ensenada. It's November 2023. Like, okay, but what happened earlier?" And I was just holding on to Tanya's hand, thinking, what is going on? And I just started to feel 
the fear that my dad was fear feeling I thought this must be what my dad feels he just got this horrible diagnosis and he's confused and he's not knowing what's going on and he keeps asking the same questions and I just did that for the last four hours and now I'm going to the hospital and I don't know what the hell is happening or if I'm going to remember things again um, and we get to the hospital they bring me in you know they take my vitals they I was drinking electrolytes they take the oxygenation they you know they they were checking the color of my nails and I was just resting there drinking the electrolytes thinking that's really really small inside of the brain when you can't make sense of things and I just took it to the breath you know I said okay 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 just breathe just breathe just breathe you're in the hospital doctors coming through calmate carnal follow the breath get in the body and I just connected I thought you know this is this is what you get for being working in grief and death tanatologia and doing the shit you know I just okay bring it practice inside your body deep breath in deep breath out after like the 15th breath I started to shake my body was shaking I started to sort of realize like holy crap like I've been out for four or five hours and they didn't let my friend come in the room with me so I was in the room by myself I started to tremble which is like your body shaking you know moving the trauma around and I thought okay this is good this is good we're gonna move the trauma and I need to go outside and stand in the dirt so I got off the little hospital bed walked outside of the lobby and I said excuse me can I go outside I need to stand in the dirt the guy was looking at me like yeah I guess so I walked outside was standing in the earth so I thought I need to connect to the land to the earth to get all of this adrenaline this energy in out of my body and into the earth and feed myself off back up with what she's giving me because it was so crazy what had happened and I still didn't know 100% I wasn't sure exactly how long I'd been in the eyes I wasn't sure what the heck was going on you know the little nurse comes outside like oh no you're supposed to not be cold anymore you need to come inside and not stand on the earth I was like I'm fine I need to be on the earth and breathe for a few minutes just give me a second you know and when I came back inside the doctor came in she's like you're fine it's just all of the blood went straight to your organs you were probably really really cold and so your brain to protect itself sort of disconnects but you're remembering things as time goes by you'll be remembering more and more things you seem hydrated I was like dude are you sure I didn't have like a fucking stroke or she's like nope you would have a headache you would you would not look like this your skin would look different um, it's basically just stay warm stay warm stay hydrated stay hydrated and just rest here for a little bit and then I got a phone call from the people at the retreat just you know we made they wanted to make sure I was okay well I didn't get a phone call Tanya my friend said this is Isabella you want to talk to her and she was you know they had already started the, the ceremony they you know they were already the team stepped up which is was so fucking cool like I, I was first of all I was very relieved that I did not have to eat mushrooms that night because holy shit it was so crazy like what I was feeling was so intense and 
the doctor said, you cannot go in any type of sweat lodge. So I said, all right, I'll be outside in the sweat lodge. And when I came back, well, Julio drove down from San Diego because they called him. Jillian called Julio. I was like, you need to come if you'd like to because they're sending Griselda to the freaking hospital. So he came down to pick me up. And first of all, when I first started, the trauma shaking, you know, my body coming back into... I just hugged Tanya and wept and cried. I was like, dude, thank you so much for for bringing me here and for staying with me. And, you know, she kept telling me, you know, it's important that you get things in order. Like, you are the daughter. Your dad is the dad. You are the daughter. Your dad is the dad. Las constelaciones. And you can't, you know, try to take care of everything and everybody like it's okay to be a little daughter a little girl and just cry and be like what the heck is happening and then when Julio showed up we went back to the to the retreat center they were halfway done through the ceremony but I just sat outside by the fire I I didn't you know I said okay I'm gonna go in in a second because the whole time I kept thinking oh my god I'm supposed to be in there I'm supposed to be singing I'm supposed to be helping and I thought no I you know my team is they got this Gloria, Jillian, Alex, Isabella, Mila, Maria, they, they got this, Sergio, I don't need to be in there, like I really, we have this, we have created this dream team of people that I work with that is so fucking cool and badass and and loving and everybody was of course super scared because they thought, oh shit, what if Risa doesn't come back, what if she's going to have to go to like, you know, the loony house or whatever, but when I came back, you know, I was sitting outside the fire and they all sat there and, oh my gosh, Greece, and they were telling me what happened and how I was just super emotional, just crying and crying and crying about my dad. Maria was looking at me like, yes, he's going to die. And so are you. And so am I. And so is everyone. But I do not remember any of this. And, you know, they kept showing me my phone. I, and I, of course, we recently, all everyone in my family switched phones. So I said, no, that's not my phone. Yes. This is your phone because you have the screensaver of Gloria's drawing and everyone here has it. No, that's not my phone. And my f what they said what happened, which was super interesting, was when I was totally out of it, they would try to look at my phone so that they can unlock it and call Julio. But the phone kept turning off, turning on. Half of the screen was black. Half of the screen was white. It would, you know, they would turn it back on and it wouldn't work. And Isabella, who's an astrologer who was there, said, you know, in astrology, the phone is the portal to the mind, and her mind isn't acting well, so neither is the phone, so let's just leave the phone here and have her go to the hospital without the phone, and, you know, three or four hours later, when they, when we called them, and I was coming back to, and I was fine, they picked up my phone, and my phone was working, <laughs> you know, and you know, the two weeks before, when I was in, in Teposlan at that other journey, one of the things that showed up in the I was like in this journey, just, you know, enjoying my childhood, looking at all these amazing things and fighting all the fears. And all of a sudden I saw like this, I didn't see, but like this huge image popped up of a big ass phone, like literally a five meter by five meter phone that was like, you have a message in WhatsApp, pick it up. And I was in the journey thinking, I'm not going to grab the phone right now. I'm like, I'm listening to the music. I'm like enjoying this, right? The phone, you have a message, you have a message. It's like this huge imposing image of a phone. And I thought, wait a minute. No, let's work this out. 
I said, no, the phone is a tool that I use to communicate with my loved ones. It doesn't control me, I control it. It's a tool that I use to send out information, to receive information, to listen to music, to listen to podcasts, and it does not control me, I control it. And then, like that whole phone disappeared, no, in the journey. But later on, I told Julio, you know what? Those phones are like the remote controls of our bodies, of our minds. Every time you grab a phone, whoever is out there doing the phone thing, I don't know who it is, that's their control remote of your mind, of your body. So I said, we got to be less time on the phone. Like, leave the phone, you know, check it in the morning, leave it, and maybe check it later at night. But it's like we have these phones, like they're a freaking attachment. It's like you might as well just put a little, you know, piece of tape and have it on your arm. We never, I never leave the phone. And so when this shit happened, when my mind was, it was, of course, what happened in the ice is that I got into the ice and, you know, the reptilian brain kicked in. It was such an intense thing for me to even think that my dad's going to die that I just checked out. It's called dissociation. I've been doing it since I was five years old because you know, when there's such intense emotions and you're a highly sensitive child and you just can't handle it, one of the protector mechanisms is boop, out to lunch. I'm not I'm not here. We just kind of freeze, dissociate, mm, you know, going in imagination land. Or when you're older, start smoking drugs and drinking alcohol. But when you're teeny teeny weeny, this is like a it really is a technique that the human body has in this technology so that you don't have to be in this horrible horrific pain it's very wise and appropriate but after a while you need to go in and heal it and work with it because it doesn't really serve you to check out every time something intense shows up and i typically do not i mean i'm very much into grief practices and temascal and sitting with psychedelics and doing the whole feel every feeling but when I was in the ice that day something just clicked and I was not I, I just my body just said this is really intense and you're not going to be able to bypass it <laughs> and even though I was on the floor weeping and weeping and just telling her oh my dad's dying I don't remember any of it at all and when I was sitting back there in the fire outside in the in the you know in the fire pit just talking about what had happened and everyone was being so sweet and I really was overwhelmed with this gratitude of like my god all we have is our friends and sitting by the fire and the stars are outside it was so beautiful out in the mountains and and this is it it's gonna end we're gonna die and what is this freaking human intensity like what is this like some cosmic joke you know and it's like like my friend Carla says y de muy mal gusto no like it's just like it's not a good joke whoever made us whoever decided that we're coming in here or whatever even if it wasn't a you know a mechanism that created us whatever has us here what in the hell we come here we're finally getting our shit together and now you know, it's going to end. And 
I literally felt when I was in the car going to the hospital, like the fear that my dad must be feeling right now with this thing, like you have a tumor in your brain and you might live three months, you might live a year, but you know, what a bad joke really. And so sitting there, I just, I was overwhelmed with like the gratitude and the love of having such amazing friends and these connections. And also like this, Oh, overwhelming grief of like this is going to end and um and what in the hell just happened to me like what what happened and then the next day I kept remembering more and more and more things and you know Tanya who was with me in the hospital called she's like you know you just just this is your ceremony this is what happened to you integrate it and and yeah I mean I have like three or four therapy sessions set up here you know with the compassionate inquiry people and I went to the acupuncture guy and I have you know all my healers and the people that I go to therapy with all lined up but one of the things I I think what happened is you know for the past year and a half doing this deep trauma work I've been just talking shit about how hard it is to be the oldest kid and have you know be the parentified child you know like my parents were great but they were always immature you know and I didn't really make peace with my mom until she was in her deathbed because what happened when I went to the ayahuasca ceremony about six months before she died was that I got the fucking download hey hey let go of this how mom should be and how this she didn't do and just she's just another chick a woman who was oppressed and you're just going to be by her side and, and walk her home and help her die in a dignified, harmonized, full of love and compassion way. At least to the degree that I could. And I kind of got it. And you know, after my mom died and our dad, my dad moved in with us because he lives in the back house. He's our roommate. You know, we have breakfast with him, lunch with him. These past four years have been very sometimes you know just lots of fun and sometimes very you know intense talks during the lunch like you know the patriarchy and you know mom you know she didn't really have choices and you know you did this and you did that and just like these conversations that he just looks at me like wait a minute I had no idea this was going on and the whole time that you are in childhood trauma therapy and somatic practices it's not like you're relieving it but, you know, you are sort of recognizing it because what we do is we have these certain loyalties for our parents and for our caregivers. So we really want, you know, we don't really want to say, oh, they were really dumb and they didn't know how to do it. It's like, well, you know, everybody did the best they could. It wasn't so bad. You weren't some starving kid in Africa who couldn't eat anything. But once you get into it and once you have a commitment to get in and, and do the somatic work and work with the trauma and really live in a word of liberation plus also I can't help others if I'm not in there it's just bullshit so when I'm in the arena doing the work you start to recognize it and it does mess up and you know it does stir the pot and, and it's very intense and you know these emotions these realizations these things come out and for a long time for a lot of the time, I'm just complaining like, ah, oh, my dad is, oh, he's so annoying. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Now I have to take him here. Now I have to take him there. And he's always needing help. And I'm going to, you know, we need to delegate. Elisa, Luis, what the fuck? 
and we're all delegating and we're all trying our best but also it's like it's intense because whatever work you do however old you are if you're 40 years old you still have your 30 year old person in there your 20 year old person in there your 10 year old person in there your five year old your one year old they're all a part of who you are they're all in there it's not like once you're 35 you're never going to be five years old again maybe you won't be that size but the experience of that five-year-old the imprint the situations the love the concerns the trauma they're all inside of you even when you're 40 50 it's in there and you know the mushrooms are amazing medicine breath work meditation yoga we have to do this integration work of having it make sense and being able to be with it mindfully that's why mindfulness is the key component of all of this breathing and doing mindfulness is just meditation is key no matter what other work you're doing therapy yoga blah 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 psychedelics if we if i can't sit there and notice my breath and be with what's happening kind of like i did at the hospital when i was in the hospital in ensenada there was a point where i was just like notice the breath and just i just said it you know fear fear panic a little bit of panic uh trembling just this is the breath and this is where i'm at and we're not going to think about what i'm remembering what i'm not remembering what's going to happen what's not just right here just this moment just this present and then you create this space where you can have some ease about it you know and just kind of chill a little bit and so coming back to the integrating of this situation with my dad was like their only way to integrate it is um well there's many ways to integrate it, but one of the ones is through this breath right through actually being able to be with what is in the present moment so if i am in the present moment how do i integrate my five-year-old my 10-year-old 15 15 20-year-old all the way to 54 which is i'm going to be 54 here in about a week the way that I integrate it is I become aware of what I'm sensing I become aware of what I'm feeling I become aware of my thoughts and then I can say is that a five-year-old girl thought or is that a 54-year-old woman thought and is that an emotion of a teenager or is that you know and I just I say oh it's okay I got you Grace that's a little five-year-old I got you and I breathe and I come into the present and I feel my body and I notice my feet and my heart and my neck and I take a deep breath and I'm able to be calm and manage stress way better and just sort of deal with the situation that's in front of me and this is part of how I integrate mushrooms and breath work and everything but what happened to me with the ice was this like catapult thing and so to be able to integrate it i had to go back like i was saying to when my mom had the ayahuasca when i my mom was dying and I had the ayahuasca ceremony and i had to realize just fucking get over yourself and just you know that's it she she tried she did her thing and she's another chick like what the hell is wrong with you and with my dad this is the realization that i'm having was like i remember everything i'm fine but it's such an intense emotion and one of the things tanya said you know you have to recognize that it hurts you have to recognize 
that this is super painful and intense. And I'm like bypassing, bypassing, ah, oh, whatever, ah, oh, whatever, this dude, we're all going to die, what, somebody's going to die. But no, that is my mind making sense of things, but my somatic body and that little five, seven-year-old girl that's inside of me just couldn't fucking take it. It's just too much to think that your dad's going to die. And for all the complaining I do, and it's like that guy's like my buddy. You know, he's my dude, and we've always been really close, very connected. And yeah, he did some stupid shit. You know, like he shouldn't have been venting with a five, seven, ten, fourteen-year-old girl stuff that he should have been telling his therapist or his friend or someone else because it was heavy on me. Um, and I always felt like I was responsible for him being okay and him being happy and him not being depressed. So that was heavy. But also that dude is so funny and he's got the jokes coming and he's a great dancer. And, you know, if I would crash my car, I'd be like, dad, I got in his crash car. Uh, if I fucking crashed the car. He'd be like, okay, shit, don't tell your mom. Let me fix it. You know, like two or three times, like we'd get in trouble and he'd be like, okay, we're not going to tell your mom. Let's take care of it because my mom would just lose her shit. So we had this like, you know, co-conspiracies things and just, you know, we'd go on vacations together and we'd play racquetball or squash ball. I don't know what else, but, but, but I would go with him with his friends and he, you know, he's a really cool dude. Um, and so that part is the part that I am honoring now and seeing now through this this experience with the ice like Grace just fucking get over it man stop complaining yes it was hard and it's okay and you can vent all you want and recognize all of this but also you know you saw the beauty of being a child and part of that space where that beauty was that this dude had this house for us and you know these places that he took us and also that I came through his genetics, you know, that I chose him and my mom to come through or, I mean, I guess that's kind of a quote unquote belief system, but it makes sense of things, at least to me. And now, you know, it's, it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to integrate this? How are you going to be present with what is? And just weep and be like, oh, God, I don't really want you to die either, you know. And I'm really sorry that this is happening. And let's go to the beach and sit with our feet in the sand and drink hibiscus tea and talk about when we were kids, you know. Recently, he's always talking about, oh, I remember it was so fun when we were kids. You guys were kids and we went to Mazatlan or we went to this beach or we would go on a motorcycle here and there and my dad used to have a motorcycle and he would drive super fucking fast and I was always so scared and he thought it was hilarious and you know I can see now why he'd be driving and just thinking it's so funny I mean I didn't think it was funny I thought I was gonna die but just I can connect with what he was sensing now and he knew we weren't gonna fall he knew how to drive that thing um and we didn't fall We didn't fall. And so many of us have so many issues with our parents. 
You know, Gabor Mate says, you know, our parents gave us this much shit. Like, the you know, he holds his hands out really wide, like a meter long. Hopefully, we give our kids half of that shit. But we're still sort of dishing it down. We have to be super aware of our words, of our um, the belief systems that run us that may or may not be good anymore or, or healthy. Um, of how much we we request of our children of, our, of ourselves to be these things where really like all that matters is that we connect to the heart have you know our basic needs met live in a gratitude live in gratitude because this is going to end and I can see why maybe you'd be so so tired when you're 100 years old and you're ready to leave because you're just so tired but when you're not tired when there's life around you when there's you know friends and connection and children and grandchildren nobody wants to leave being embodied is fucking amazing you know you get to look at another person and laugh with them and and tell stories and hang out and hug each other and make love and kiss people and eat chocolate cake and have your friends make you fresh bread you know like Marisela gave me this amazing bread the other day with (laughs) um this apricot butter that I just chowed down it was so good and you're like wow you, you have these really cool people around you and these experiences and and then it's fucking gonna end and what in the hell is happening with this intensity it's just as crazy you know and it's it's really mind-blowing and I don't think about this 24 hours a day don't worry I'm thinking about this right now because I'm sharing this in this podcast and this is just what happened this weekend and, you know, when you are connecting with these, these women that were there, they were, you know, I didn't know every time a retreat shows up, maybe, you know, one or two of them, but not all of them. And they were so graceful, so supportive, so courageous, and they all did their work. And it was so beautiful to meet them and hang out with them and to see, to be held, because I'm always the one kind of holding everyone. But this was like, well, sorry, everyone, I lost my mind and um and you know to come back and have them hug me and and tell me they're so glad that I'm okay and I'm sure some of them are really freaked out and if you're listening to this I'm sorry you know this is just this is life there's no predictions there's no predictions there's today there's this breath and the next one and one more and this is it and I have an opportunity now you know I came back from the retreat and I I slept in my dad's apartment I'm like I want to sleep with your dad he's like yeah sure you know and I was just laying there in bed with him and like I did when I was little <sighs> yeah I just had to take a little break there to ball for a little bit. But just like I did when I was little, I would sleep in his bed. Well, with both of them. I would just crawl in the middle and be like, what are we watching, dude? You know, and I would watch the TV. And, and then after I was done, go back to my room. Um, like for years, you know. Of course, when I was little, he'd tell me the stories that he'd pick me up from the crib, bring me to their bed. And my mom would get pissed off like, oh my gosh, she was already asleep. And he was like, no, no, she needs to sleep here with us because I should have fucking slept there with him. That's what attachment is. When the baby sleeps with you, do not put your babies in the crib in another room, people. Update 
to the reality that sleeping times outside of the room is not what mammals do. It fucks up the attachment. It fucks up the brain development. Um, and so he would take me from the crib into the bed. And, and they would let me sleep with him in the bed. And then, you know, as time was... You know, I'd go to my room, of course. I'd sleep with my sister. But, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, after watching some fucking scary movie with one of the neighbors, they put the exorcist on. I was like 12 years old. I never slept in my room after that. I was either in their bed or on the floor for at least a couple of years. That exorcist thing, oh my gosh. But, you know, he was... They were just like roommates. We were just like buddies. And so now... I came back. I anyway. I slept in the bed with him after this retreat, and I slept with him two nights in a row. I might sleep there tonight. I don't know. But it was. I mean, we watched the same movie again because he didn't remember that we watched it last night. <laughs> uh, and he keeps saying, you know, repeating the same things, and you know, he's just scared. We're all scared, but he's of course the most scared because it's it's his you know it's his it's his brain you know it's his body and we're gonna do whatever we can you know more tests more opinions see what happens go to the beach a few days with him and be here now without complaining and accepting that this hurts and that compassion is the only way through life you know and by the way if you're listening to this and you're one of my friends who have vented to 50 million times about how freaking annoying this and that thank you for listening I'm over it now I'm over the complaining this was my you know my moment of leaving and going to wherever I went and coming back into the body and realizing okay well we are not going to bypass this and complaining isn't another way to bypass it doesn't work gratitude works and weeping and crying and losing your shit is totally fine I say that to all my clients I say that to all my friends that are going through it and now I'm going to say it to me and to whoever's listening boundaries are great you know you do whatever you need to do to set boundaries with your people but you know, offering compassion and, and finding the time to go in there and and to realize that we have this connection to our to our caregivers no matter what. And that the life is super short and it's gonna end. And who knows what happens afterwards, you know. Because at one point my sister was like, I don't know why dad is so scared, because what about his faith? You know, he's always listening to the mass and doing the rosary and going to church and I'm like, dude, first of all, religion is a crutch. Um, I mean, having community and having a spiritual practice, yes, but it's just a crutch. And it, it, and I don't even care if you meditate 50 hours a day or if you're the Dalai Lama. I think when it's time to go, everyone's like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's, it's, it's still an unknown thing. You might have had amazing experiences and, Maybe you're so tired, you're ready to release. But I've seen so many people die. And it's always a process. In the end, 
maybe when they're about to leave yeah it's like oh shit i think something magical just happened here but that's like at the end when like you're beginning to unlock from the body so this process is so fucking intense the only way to get through it is through compassion and cultivating compassion and self-compassion and love and hopefully part of that compassion is in also in the people that you're surrounding yourself with one of the things Alex said at this retreat Alex Castro the LGBTQ mindfulness creator fucking powerful amazing amazing human amazing woman that I fucking love she's my friend she's my retreat sister like she calls it she says you know the people that surround you are your vitamins you know you you take your supplements you take your vitamins because you know you want to take vitamin c and vitamin d because you want to have goodness inside of your body the people that are around you are your vitamins so we want to try to surround ourselves with people that are giving you this this nurturing this nutrition that are good for your mind people that are wanting better things that are wanting to do regenerative farming and better things for the earth and better things for their body and their soul and that aren't super toxic and just out there getting fucked up all day and you know just the people are your vitamins and I have really good vitamins around me I'm so grateful I'm so grateful for everyone around me and for this life that life has given me you know and for all of you out there listening I'm grateful for you too because I know most of the people that are listening on here um, we have somehow connected and um, you know we've both been impacted by our work and so thank you thank you for listening thank you for sharing thank you for writing reviews and you know sending it to all your friends and all that that really really helps it also helps if you comment you know because then I don't know this gets distributed to other people and I and I think it's important you know it's important to talk about these things it's important to talk about our pain and the reality of how we're working it through um and then of course I'm going to record it in Spanish but I'll do that tomorrow and it'll be out there in Spanish as, as well Tales of Recovery and Recuperando la Vida. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you next time.